Pam Ochoa, I have a question for you. And my question for you today is, when was a time that either you or you saw someone go above and beyond to help a student that was struggling in some aspect of school? Could be a social issue, could be academically. But when when was a time that just... You just remember where you step back and you you either put in the effort or you saw someone put in the effort um, that just went above and beyond the call of duty to, to help a kid. Well, the, there's one teacher that comes to my mind, um, and there's there's I'm sure there's a lot of them that have, um, but this teacher I, I taught with her, uh, gosh, about ten or twelve years ago, but anyway. This was before we had all of the data systems, so it was more than 10 or 12 years ago, but we didn't. So she kept her own data, but what she would do is she would actually monitor every little bitty thing. I mean, her chart was amazing when it came to, and she did it all by hand. I mean, it wasn't like computer generated, but she would write all of the um, standards down that the kids needed, and then she would have every one of them, and she would... Uh, have each kid listed, and then she would, uh, you know, bubble in her little square in a certain way with a certain color, and then she would talk to them every day. She she did all kinds of stuff, and then she would even do home visits if she needed to uh, and talk to the parents and things like that to see where they were at. And she actually used to teach at our school where we're at, and she did that a long time ago, but that's one of the things that she would do. And then when I taught with her, it was at another middle school, obviously. And she kept that same, that same mentality. Um, so that's one that, that I was just always amazed at how well she kept her records and how she would follow up and follow up and follow up. Um, there was another teacher that uh, I was thinking of, too, that she she would do portfolios with the students, but then they actually wrote a novel together as a group, and they got it published, the whole entire novel. So it was kind of neat that she stuck, kind of like you did, you know what I mean, where you just kind of stick with the kids and you talk to them, talk to their parents, and you just make them feel welcome. And so maybe you and her are similar in the sense that you took those kids and uh, made them writers, so to speak. So I don't know. Uh, me, I, I, you know, I try to do that. I mean, I've, I do know that I got a, I got something the other day from one of my students, and uh, she left a message on my desk, and it was, thank you for being there for me. And uh, so I talked to her later and she's like, you just always know how to cheer me up and how to, you know, when I needed help the most, you were there. And so I think it's not, I I don't know if I've done any home visits, things like that. I mean, I'm really always amazed by those people who, who do that. Um, I aspire to be like that, but most of my help is mainly, you know, at, you know, in camp, you know, during the daytime or even before and after school coming in early. Um, I try to make sure I go to their games when I can and, uh, go to, you know, like I'll stay and help with choir. I'll help with band. So I try to do things like that. And I think it does make a difference and I'm sure there's other things, but right now I don't, you caught me off guard with that question. (laughs) So I don't know. It's just the only reason I was thinking about it. You know, I have a kid with special needs and, you know, I'm always amazed at the people who take their time to help him. But even as a, uh, you know, an assistant principal, I get a bird's eye view of a lot. And I see teachers that, you know, put in the work and they'll email parents and me and, and call and, and really try to do everything in their power to support kids. And mm-hmm. um, it's something that... In the the grand scheme of things, in the in the the larger conversation around education, which for better or for worse, 
I pay attention to a lot. <laughs> there, That's something that doesn't come up enough. We don't talk enough about how just the sheer amount of work and effort that educators at all levels of education uh, put in to, to help kids. And um, sometimes there's special circumstances that really, you know, connect to an educator and they just they feel like they have to go above and beyond to help kids and it it happens all the time everywhere in every school mm-hmm. um and I, I you know I just don't feel like we highlighted enough so that's what I was thinking about that but in any case ladies and gentlemen this is craft and draft that's Pell with Trump Jacob Chastain we are two workshop centered educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love in public schools. Pam is in the classroom. I have moved up into administration, but I'm still in classes. I'm still seeing beautiful things. And Pam is making those beautiful things happen every single day in her space. But regardless, we're going to talk about a lot today. But before I tell you what we're going to talk about, I want to tell you that this episode and all the episodes that we have are continuously sponsored by our wonderful listeners. We haven't done any ads on this show, and the main reason for that is because we have a dedicated audience that spends their time supporting us and being a part of our little community here. And they do so over there at Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com slash craftanddraft as well. You can find that link at craftanddraftworkshop.com. They get access to bonus episodes no one else hears. We just dropped a wonderful one, in my opinion, about quick rides. It's a little shorter one to try to to see if that format was something that people would like. But we also have just just long ones that we've talked about all kinds of various things. We've done questions over there. We've done trainings. And they get access to videos and a lot more. So go join us over there just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, and Hannah have. And you can... Be a part of all of that greatness. But if you don't want to do that, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. Leave a review. Let us know how we're doing over there. Five stars really does help us compete in the wonderful algorithm and all of the other podcasts out there. So we do thank you for your support there as well. You can send us a question if you would like to as well. But enough of that. Let's talk about what we're talking about today, Miss Ochoa. We are going to discuss going in for the long haul. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. And I think we can talk about this in a kid perspective. I think we can talk about this from a teacher perspective and really as a life perspective. So this is going to be a big topic episode, probably some philosophy in there, probably some real world anecdotes as always, but let's get to the conversation. All righty, Miss Ocho. You know what we haven't done in a while? What? We have not just done a quick life update. You know what I mean? I know we, I know we talk about like in passing some of these things, but you know, the, our listeners, you know, the people that show up every single Friday, they're the ones like they're, they're, can, they know us, they, 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 you know, we read messages where people point out, you know, little nuances that we talk about <laughs> that we, we don't realize that we're, we're talking about so much or, you know, they, they they pay attention to the the narratives of our lives in a way through this because we are talking about topics, but it really is just people having great conversations um, about education and, and the work that we do. So let's uh, what's a life update for you, Miss Ochoa? P- professional, personal? I don't know. I'm just curious because I don't see you every day, and we 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 talk off air, you know, when we come to join. But you know, it's just one of those things. So I'm sure the audience might be in the same place as me. What's a, what's a small life update for you? Small life update. Well, I'm about to be finished with my volleyball season. I've got one more weekend of volleyball and got somebody else asking me if I'll cover for them. And my sister's calling me. Can I? <laughs> She's one that's of the life updates. That's the biggest update. <laughs> that's my biggest update. Hang on, Jacob. Let me answer this real quick. All right. Hey. Hey, what's up? Oh, okay. Well, are you going to, you're probably about to go to bed, right? Oh, okay. Because I was, I'm, yeah, I was doing my podcast. So, but, uh, so can I call you back when I'm finished? If I wake you up, you won't be mad. You'll just be mad at Jacob, right? Absolutely mad at you. 
restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how it works in her world, Jacob. <laughs> All right. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. She's taking care of her husband's aunt, and she's in hospice. So I go ahead and answer it because she's really struggling. Okay, so my life update. Finish with, I almost finished with volleyball. I don't know what I need to repeat. What do I need to repeat? Right, so gonna get, okay. So anyway, with volleyball, we're almost finished, but I've got somebody else that texted me, and so I guess I'll start doing recreational volleyball. Um, but uh, that's another thing that I like to do. You know, when you're talking about helping others, you know, I know it's, I get paid for it, but at the same time, uh, a lot of people um, seem really appreciative that I try my best to do a good job for them. And then uh, I've got a grandbaby on the way, so I should have a grandbaby before the month is over. That should be my Thanksgiving surprise, so I'm excited about that. And uh, let's see what else is going on in my life. A lot of school, and uh, anyway, and I got to start writing more. <laughs> That's well, always the, some. the holidays After are coming. We're gonna put in some yeah. big. Where I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate this because I've been. Uh, there's a couple things I have to write. I have to jump into the book, but also have to get an article that I promised someone uh, recently. Um, and it's going to require a lot of effort on my part because it's, it's not an easy one to write, but so I'm in the same boat as you, but I'm going to, I'm going to put yeah. down some serious word count. Well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm going for that national board certification thing and there's a ton of writing in that. There's yeah. like three portfolios you have to do. So anyway, I'm, I've got meetings. I'm doing that. That was the so. first time you said that on the podcast, by the way. No, that is. That's right. That's you, right. Did, well, you didn't let me mention it. I wasn't it. sure I was going to do it. Well, I wasn't sure. It's still out. It's still out. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Represent our school. That's so funny. Plus, Mr. Neal has asked me about it like three times. Oh, I shouldn't have said his name. Should, it's we fine. It off? My. <laughs> <laughs> I can cut it out if I remember, but it'll be okay. He won't mind. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, he's only mentioned it to me like every time. Did you go to that meeting? Have you gone to that meeting? I think he's glad that we're doing it. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah. I wonder, if we, that, I wonder if we have any people that have done that in the audience. I don't know. If they have, let us know. Uh, let Pam know. She wants your help. <laughs> well, yeah, I need all the help I get. <laughs> now, you know, the thing is, uh, that's one of the portfolios is, is where you, the first part is 60% of it is, what have you done to help your kids? That going beyond like you're talking about. And then who have you helped? And, you know, you you followed them and, uh, com, uh, you know, like contributing to the community and all that kind of stuff. And a community of learners as well as your actual classroom community as well as your parents, et cetera. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's deemed a very important part. It's 60% of your score. So that portfolio is. So pretty cool. It's beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I uh, I asked that question. I was thinking about. I was like, I don't even know if I have really a life update. It's funny because I uh, really, <clears throat> I'm just. I, I guess the the biggest life update that's relevant to the show is that uh, I have. I'm feeling more and more comfortable in my skin as an AP. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, on the teach me teacher side, you know, I'm sure people that fo- have followed me for a while and some of them are the craft and draft listeners as well, but I'm sure there's a, a group out there going, all right, let's see if he stays in this role because he didn't, <laughs> I didn't do say it. I, I didn't say I was on that group. I, I, I have been watching though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the same, well, people have been asking me like even our, uh, um, my associate, uh, principal who's like, you know, right under our head principal, you know, we had our, like we had a one-on-one on Friday and just kind of went over, you know, just some, the operational side of things, just, you know, she was asking me, you know, the kids that, that are my frequent flyers, so to speak, how I'm handling, you know, seat time and various other, you know, just the day in and day out of AP life. And then, you know, she asked me just how I was enjoying the role and, you know, it, it's so funny cause it's November and I, I, it, when I started, you know, I was missing the classroom. And if I walked out of a really great class, I was, it almost made me sad. Like I was super excited to see someone doing great. 
and seeing kids learning and all that. But then it made me go, man, I want to do that. But now, like when I walk into classrooms like that, I get excited about the possibilities of how I can help because I'm, I'm, I still get to be, uh, integral to a lot of that, but it really just takes me building relationships, uh, with the teachers and the kids because, you know, I've had times where I've helped the teacher then gone into the classroom and I knew the kids. And so it was, it was really like I was doing that. Now it wasn't centered on me necessarily, but it's, it's like, I get excited when I see cool stuff because it's like, Oh, I can help capitalize on this. I can use Mm. my new role to do a little bit more behind the scenes to make this even more effective. And then I can follow up with kids. I can talk with kids about their reading and writing. And so I still get that that in-depth interaction and that's getting, that's getting more and more exciting to me. So when people are asking, you know, how you're liking it, you know, it's, it's going pretty good. And you know, people have to remember, and I know Courtney, one of our, uh, uh, our biggest listeners and supporters. She always says, you know, Chastain, we got to get that campus going. And I'm just grateful that I even like this role because it, it allows me to keep that dream alive, to build something that is unique in education and, and be a part of the change and give, you know, build a place that not only students feel great in, but that educators feel great in. And I think you know, it would it would have been really disheartening if I didn't like being an administrator because <laughs> that's that's been my goal for so long is to open a school um, or at least be head principal if that never happens. And um, so I'm grateful for that. And you know what? My some of my assumptions were kind of true. You know, a lot of people were wanting me to go the curriculum route. And I I, I love the curriculum route, but principals have a unique uh a unique dynamic that they work within to where they can make or break curriculum in a lot of ways. We've seen this. We've seen principals Mm -hmm. that ignore curriculum mandates and get praised. Right. Yeah. So you can, you can be, you can be the most diehard curriculum person on the curriculum side, know your stuff better than anyone craft, wonderful things. And a principal because of just the nature of the role can poo poo it. And it just won't ever make it into those classrooms. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like having my curriculum love makes me a better instructional leader, which is always my goal. And that's what I told uh, when I got hired. The, you know, they asked what like my professional goals were. And I said, you know, I want to be – I don't want to be a dis- disciplinarian. I know I have to do that. I have to be, you know, the, where the – the buck stops eventually with me in terms of discipline and, and, and a lot of that. However, my focus is entire great instruction. Cause honestly, I think great instruction makes discipline less needed. Yeah, I agree. And we've seen that. I mean, your, your greatest teachers who know what they're doing, um, in terms of just not only their content, but how to deliver content to kids, they have less problems. Now, that's not to say that some classrooms aren't challenging. I think teachers all across the, really the <laughs> globe are facing um, wild circumstances right now, right? You've talked about some of it. I see it on my end. Uh, my wife, it's funny because my wife's having a really great year. She was just telling me that her kids are, she was like, I'll never have a group like this again. <laughs> it's our third year. And I was like, well, you're peaking a little early. But her, uh, But she was talking about that. But the kids that are coming up, the there she was saying that they're really struggling. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. It's it's a weird year, but uh I'm glad that I that I enjoy this role because I feel like I can make, you know, some big differences and we've seen you and I have been under enough principals, you at multiple schools, me really at one school just with multiple principals because people right. kept leaving, but we've seen enough leadership styles to see that it really does make a difference to, mm-hmm. to the type of person you have. Not because that one person dictates everything, but just what the what leadership is. Mm-hmm. So in any case, that was a little uh, side note. Let's talk about going further, persevering, going beyond where you struggle. Now, I when you suggested this topic, 
And for people who don't know, but the way Pam and I decide topics is we either take a question and go, oh, we can talk about that for a long time, or we just pitch ideas until we decide that's what we want to talk about. And so Pam had this idea. It's not where you start. It's how you finish. And my, I got to admit, the first, when I read that line, my immediate, com- my, I had two thoughts. I was like, well, I was horrible when I started teaching. And so that rings true for me is that though if I if I was still that way, if I had never had hope to grow, um, I would have never pushed forward because everyone knows that this job is incredibly difficult. And if you if you don't have hope to improve or a drive to improve, you're just gonna suffer. <laughs> like there's no way there's no way around it. So I thought about that, but I also talk about it, you know, just me as a as a kid. Uh, because we had a, we do these things in, in, a, in the morning. So our classes start at eight thirty at my campus, and so at eight thirty, all the APs and counselors meet up in the literally the center of the school, right in the middle of the hall. We circle up, and each of us brings one thing every day, and so one of us leads this time. Uh, and a lot of like the counselors usually bring like these really thought provoking things and you know the, the APs usually bring like some type of interactive thing. It's just kind of the nature of it. But one of the questions that uh one of the, the counselors brought was, you know, what what's something that makes you feel vulnerable? That was the question. Mm-hmm. And my my response was anytime I feel like what I've worked for is threatened, that that's when I become the most, you know, vulnerable, so to speak, or, you know, heated is when I feel like it's like someone's going after something I've built over this time. And that's, that's the, what you're talking about too, is the, where, where I started as a kid is completely where I different for where I am now. And I'm very protective of it, but I don't know when you think about that, what was your, your trigger for, uh, this idea, this topic? Well, I've had, and I think I was telling you this at the beginning, I've had several people, uh, due to a difficult year, okay, and the fact that uh, our particular class that we're working with now, you could actually look at their data and they, they kind of made some strides going the wrong direction. Uh, and so it's, and so some people are asking, and from all over, not just not just my school, but, you know, just people I run into. And they're like, "How? What? I mean, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to get our kids where they need to be? I mean, we got our kids where they need to be last year, but how can I get these kids? It doesn't even look like we're going to get them there. And so I found myself saying over and over, it's not where you begin that matters, it's where you, where you finish. And growth is what's important, not necessarily the end you know, the end result will take care of itself. And I was looking at that quote and a guy named Jim George, who's an author, I think he's a Christian author. He's the one who, who has given credit for that quote. So, you know, me, I always like to make sure I give credit if I can, but, um, but I've heard that. I think I grew up with that. Um, and my own life experiences have, uh, allowed me to, to believe that wholeheartedly. And it's it's that you keep working at it and you keep, and you, you may have setbacks. I've already had some setbacks this year as far as like in my classroom. I even cried uh, one time. I think I shared that with you. I've, I'll tell it to the whole public here, but <laughs> there was one day that was rough and I don't know what happened, but these kids decided that they were in charge and it was pretty quick on how, you know, the last 20 minutes of class was like, wait, we were having a good day. What happened? You know, and it was just two kids got mad at each other. Next thing you know, it was, you know, it was kind of a rough moment. They don't know that I cried those particular, they might know now, but, um, but when they left, I was like, this was a great lesson and y'all just ruined it. And I mean, I don't know if I was angry, I was angry, but I was also hurt. My feelings were hurt because I thought I was making strides. And so, uh, so anyway, I did. I teared up. And then somebody asked me, one of our teachers that helps us, our, you know, our co-teachers, she said, do you, I need to take your class for a second. I'm like, no, I'm not a wimp. I'm just crying. 
<laughs> this is me. I don't, you know, so I'm like, no. So I told the kid, the kids are like, are you okay, Mr. Chow? And I said, this is my next group. And they're just sweet as I'll get out. And I said, yeah, I'm okay. I said, have you ever been so mad that your tears just keep coming? And they go, yeah. And I said, well, that's where we're at. So let's just get in here and I'm going to teach. And <laughs> and so I just taught and I was like, I mean, I was crying. I couldn't stop the tears. And I taught for about 20 minutes this year already with tears just going down my face. But by golly, we got it done. And and uh, I taught through it. And the kids were like, you know, at once I, after lunch, I, you know, I came back because I had that that particular class. You know, they get, they have a lot of breaks because of the nature of where they fall in the day. And, you know, they have, they see me, then they go to lunch and then, you know, they see me and then they go to leadership and then they come back and see me again. So it's kind of hard to keep a smooth workshop when you have to release them at least three times. So anyway, but, but I wasn't crying at the end. So that's a good thing. I showed up the next day and, uh, and everything went great. And, uh, and I, you know, I never brought it up with those other kids. I didn't, I just kept going, and now they're starting to settle down. And, and of course, some of the kids have removed themselves due to discipline, so that's helped a little bit. But, but me particularly, it, I have to tell myself this, and that is, okay, look, I know that they're starting here, and when I go back and I look at that start, you know, their their data from last year, and if I start comparing it to where the end of my kids were last year, right? If I compare like where they were at the end and where they are now, uh, it looks like an impossible task. And so it's real easy to get yourself caught up in those weeds to the point that you don't want to go, that you don't feel like you can go on. So it's really not, it's, you can't go for, that kind of data can paralyze you is the point. And if you, and if you are already looking at the end before you ever get through all the steps. I mean, you need to have that as a goal. Don't get me wrong. I mean, my goal is for my kids to double in growth. I mean, that's my goal. But if all I do is look at that and I don't celebrate the little moments now, you know, every time we we pick something up or every time the kids do a little bit better, we might take a few steps backwards, dust dust ourselves off and let's get back up and, and go again. And that's what I have to focus on are my little bitty steps that we take along the way because it's those little steps that are going to get me to that end goal. So it's not where I begin that matters. It's how I finish that matters. And we're going to have struggles along the way. And I've just got to self-coach myself. And that's what I do. I self-coach and I'm saying, nope, you cannot get all bogged down in that. You've got to teach these kids today. Okay, because these kids are in here today so that they can be the kids that you can be proud of at the end. You know, I got to show my pride in what we're doing along the way. I well, don't know. That's kind of where I'm thinking. You're, the, I mean, that was kind of, you know, every once in a while you get me, Ochoa, and you got me on this one. Because you said, you know, you can't compare the end of last year to beginning of this year, right? And that is, I mean, talk about a quote. If I can remember to post that on social media, I'm using it because it is, I mean, that's a that's a great thing. And that was something that, you know, it's, I struggled with this year, right? Like being in a new place, being, you know, transitioning to a new district, a new high school, a new role, Right. Everything was comparisonitis. It was all all of that. And because I ended, you know, anyone anyone who follows me on Instagram or Facebook or any of that, they they I was just crying for like a month straight because <laughs> of, you know, le- losing, you know, all my kids I would see every day. But um th- that is a it, that process, though, is what teachers go through, right? Not most people mm-hmm. don't loop up, but you you always you end and then you start over and then you end and you start over and you know there's it's this weird kind of redo and I can't help but think about how you know you were telling me a story off air and I won't we won't use specifics but you were telling me off air that you know a teacher was you know basically talking about how their data was from last year was kind of, you know, being compared to this year. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's those conversations 
from a different perspective. So as teachers, we're always thinking about that and kind of resetting. But even from a, a bigger perspective, you know, we have to keep our eye on what we're actually doing. You have new kids every year, which means they're performing at different levels. They've had different experiences. They've had different levels of support or not support. And that means that if you look at a test, right, let's say you gave the exact same test at the exact same time. Let's say September 2nd, you gave the same test two different years. You have two different results because of the groups of people that you have. And this is when you start this is when teachers become frustrated with standardized testing um, is because the, the way it's set up is that kids are supposed to do better every single year, but that's not really possible if you take it in, in, in a vacuum, it is possible, right? If you have kids that really go up from beginning to end, it really is. And it's really, and I've seen this in real time. Okay. So, we at both so at the school where you're still at where I was at for eight years, we did um we we pulled data and the kids that were with us from sixth grade to eighth grade, they always outperformed the kids that weren't. Always. But it was only about thirty five percent of the kids. It was a very small number. Because it's a very transient school, a lot of apartments, kids are moving around, et cetera, et cetera. I work in a high school now and in a feeder pattern where 70% of the kids have gone from elementary to the high school level going through the same pattern. 70%. Wow. Guess what? They're really on point with a lot of this. Every, not every teacher, but a lot of the stuff is aligned all the way up because of that kids mm-hmm. have had this experience. And even if it's not a line, it's that, you know, it's also a culture thing, right? You're with mm-hmm. the same kids for so long. And so it, it, it's one of those things where even, but even in that scenario, the, the scores are not always just going to go up. Performance isn't going to go up. The, the same group of kids isn't going to be the same. Kids change over time. And I just think it's it's so valuable to reset. And I wish we had better conversations on a larger scale about that, especially in the political sphere. I won't get into that. But um, as teachers, you know, it pays to just have that reminder. And as an administrator, it pays to have that reminder is – you know, where every year is is going back to the drawing board, so to speak, right? It's it's going back and going, who do I have today? What are the challenges that I'm facing and how am I going to overcome them? And I think where a lot of people struggle is you people will they'll just decide what their expectations are of that year. And when kids or the situations don't meet those expectations, they become massively frustrated rather than becoming creative and and just accepting where they are. Right? Like you you know, a few episodes back, I mean, well really a few like there was there was like three episodes in a row where we were kind of documenting in real time, you know, some of your <laughs> struggles that you were having mm-hmm. just with the the group that you have and all the changes that are happening on the campus and everything else. And now you're seeing some success, right? But that's because you are so dedicated to the process. You're, you're process-oriented always. Yeah. And so you you approach something and, you know, yeah, there might be frustrating moments. And like you said, you know, just crying <laughs> in the middle of class. Just like, <laughs> we're going on. <laughs> but you, I just, like, and we're done. But you trust the process, right? And this is, mm-hmm. I, I think this is why you and I both love workshop too, because workshop is the process, but it's also school is a process. Education, growing is a process. It takes time to develop everything from speaking ability to manners to academic uh, perseverance. Like it just takes time and you don't, 
you know, in public school, we don't pick our kids. We get the kids we get. We get the communities we get. We get the the families. And there's nothing, there's no good or bad. It ju- it's just what it is. And I wish our systems were smarter and or smart enough to handle that level of nuance. And they are on a micro scale, right? Teachers can do this. Um, administrators can do it. Um, once you get past kind of the school level, it becomes a little bit more difficult because, you know, when you're dealing with a system in a system that has to obey state laws and federal laws, then you have to start being less nuanced and really setting standardized kind of levels of whatever. And that's when the conversation becomes interesting about, you know, maybe we shouldn't have such centralized education anymore, which that's a whole different can of worms, which we don't have to dive into here, but the, the, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God, I can't help it. (laughs) I wish we were recording video right now. I'm leaving all of this in. I'm I'm so I'm in I don't I'm on a diatribe. I'm I'm veering into federal government stuff and your cat is climbing your backdrop and you're just reaching up trying to manage it without tearing anything up. That was amazing. That was perfect. Sorry. That was great. She decided to come in and climb up on everything. I'm sorry, listeners. Maybe we should start recording video more often. But <laughs> In any case, it's so rewinding it. Re- the I wish our systems were smarter, but it's also something that, you know, we I, I, I just think it, it's so valuable to say this. This is what we're dealing with today. You know, when we answer, you know, listener questions and, you know, a lot of the times it, it's teachers who are frustrated they're overwhelmed. They're dealing with all of this. You know, I think this won't solve everything, but it definitely does help uh, to some degree to go, you know what? Th- these are my problems today. Let's forget the greatest moments I've had. Let's forget uh, the heights of what I've seen, right? At least for this moment and go, what do I need to do today to make these kids successful, to make my classroom to successful, uh, and move forward. And I, I think that is, I, I think there's very little else you can do that has such an impact on student performance. No, I agree. And the, the only way you can do it, like I brought up that teacher earlier before we had, you know, data that would automatically go in, but she meticulously kept those notes and she looked at not where the kids, I mean, she knew she had a goal for the kids where they're going to be, but it was the meticulous stuff that she did that got them there. And she was, you know, she's not in our district anymore, but she, she moved a while back. I'm sure now she's retired, but the whole thing is, is just watching watching that i mean it's just all those little bitty things that you do uh help these kids and you do you have to you have to look at them from a different viewpoint uh and what i mean by that is you got to look at them through the lens of what they're going to be while at the same time keeping them in the present so that you can can work with them and you've got to look at where they're going to be so that you will not get discouraged does that make sense? Because these kids, like you said, they come to us. They're seventh graders. They're twelve year olds. They're not, they're eleven year olds. They're ten year olds. They don't know. I mean, they're not mature yet. This is where they learn about life, and so you just got to take the good with the bad. But then you got to take that what you would consider bad and figure out a way to turn it in for good. And that's just, to me, that's where the talent is, if you will. And, and maybe the perseverance, not just talent, but the, the hard, the hard work of teaching. And that that's where that is. And, and you have to watch the data and all that stuff. But here's the thing. You can't let all that, those numbers overtake you. They're important, but they can't overtake you. And what I mean there is that 
I think sometimes we get so fixed and we and we create numbers for our kids. In other words, that kid's a 52 and this kid's a 98. You know what I mean? And so, and then we treat them like that. That's not that's not what you want to do. What you want to do is this kid who's a who's a 52 is going to be an 85 one day. And this is what we got to do to get him there or get her there. And these are the things. So that's why you got to pre-assess and post-assess. And then when you can get the students involved in their own assessment as much as possible, then they become responsible for their own learning. And when if you can do that to me, then then now you've become a a, a partnership with that student. And we're going to partner together to get you there. And uh, again, it is, you, you talked about the process and it's, it's that, um, you know, I, I do a lot with the writing. I think I do, don't know if I did as much last year as I wanted to, but this year I made a focus, you know, how you kind of self-reflect and I'm like, no, we're going to write. And so I'm doing some of the same things, but maybe really, truly not, not leaving out the process at all. Does that make sense? If it's going to take me longer to get there and I'm going to be just a little bit behind the other teachers in getting there, I'm going to not give up my process. And I got to figure out how to do that and then work the other stuff in around the process or include it and try to to teach it in context. And uh, and within that context, that's, that's another thing that I do. Um, I think that really helps is I'm really good with context. I, I find the connection to everything and I teach it within context. Um, we're doing the outsiders and oh my goodness, we've been doing the outsiders forever. But one of the reasons we've been doing the outsiders for so long, say, I was like, I feel like this has been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because my, pro- I mean, we've been reading that, but I'm really truly doing the three book classroom. In other words, the outsiders is, is what I've been using to kind of maintain and come back through story and theme right? So it is kind of a little too drawn out, but there are certain requirements that we have to do. Like we have to do that AI. And so we have to do articles and we have to do all of that on Monday. Well, then that interferes with my outsiders. And then I have to write, I've got to make sure they're writing. And then uh, my team wants to do this other stuff with the Triangle Factory Fire. So they're wanting to move on and pretty much abandon the outsiders, and I'm just not going to abandon it. And so what I've done is all of the articles that we have to do, I've tied them. I've put them in such a way that they fit in with the outsiders. Does it make sense? So they're, I'm doing paired passages every day or every week, not every day, and I'm pairing everything with the outsiders. So the kids are used to pairing up stuff. They're used to comparing it, seeing what they're like and how they're similar. Well, now with this tri- tri- uh, Triangle Factory Fire, which is in our curriculum and we, we're supposed to do it, it's like that's like about uh, labor and fire safety laws. Well, I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? And still keep my outsiders. And then all of a sudden it just dawned on me. There was a fire in the outsiders. So if there's a fire in the outsiders. Then I can tie. I can make that connection. And so teaching within context. They had to write about. Just for brief short writing. A quick write. Was why are fire safety rules. uh, What are some of them that you know. And why are they important. So that's them relevantly. And then then they're writing about that. And then we have to do this triangle factory fire. But before we did this. We talked about what happened in the outsiders. With their fire. And why was that a, a situation. And then I said now look at this fire. And this fire makes a difference. Because it's this fire that causes us. To have all the laws we have today. So I've made that connection and both of the, and I said, so we did a Venn diagram and, and I said, so, and we talked about it mainly, we like physically do it so much. I put it up there and then we kind of talked about it, but the, the Venn diagram uh, that we talked about, the, the, the two fires both started from cigarettes. The two fires both started from the two fires had, you know, people escaped from windows. The both fires had uh, things blocked, uh, so, you know, so I was able to compare both of those. And so now my, this thing that seemed so separated 
isn't as separated anymore because I'm using this novel to tie all of these different things to it. So it's making my novel last forever. But we're writing every day. Uh, they're writing long pieces and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But but um, but I'm not going to give up that process. So I, ha- I have to ask because we've... We've documented your path through the outsiders twice, right? This would be the second time. Yeah. But so how do you feel like this is a more effective way than what you did last year? Well, it's kind of based on what we did last year, but what I've done this year is I moved it from the end of last year and moved it to the beginning of this year. And that's why I'm having to keep up with the written curriculum because I've kind of added it on top of all the other curriculum. And I've got these uh, other these teachers that they just don't know how to, there's too many moving parts for them. Does that make sense? So I think you and I and our friend last year, we could have done it. But the reason I, the reason I did this, went ahead and moved it is because we're having a new star test. Everybody pretty much knows that. And the paired passages are the biggest struggle. And I felt like in theme and all of that, and so I thought, like, if I could, what I could do with the outsiders and what we did last year, I thought made a huge difference in how the students dealt with story and understanding character development. And it's the one book that they're really into. They get into it after, you know, after the boy gets killed in the park, they get, all of a sudden they get really torn into it. You know, they they identify with these characters and they want to know what's going to happen next. And then, so so here's the point. I thought what I would do this year is take that Outsiders, instead of doing it at the end, let's move it to the beginning, and I use it as my anchor text for the rest of the year. So it's my anchor text. And so by the time we get to Christmas, we're, we're almost finished with it, but by the time we get to Christmas, they will at least have everybody, 100%, have, have at least read one book, no matter what. And then we're doing the, uh, I do self-selected reading every day, and that's their own choice books. So, and then I ask questions from there about their development. So they're still doing self-selected text. We're doing the outsiders and we're writing these, um, right now we're writing informational text. They've already written a story. Uh, And then along the way, I'm teaching them how to write for these different tests periodically. And they get to choose their own writing. When when they're writing the big stuff, that's their own. That's my workshop. And then my mini lessons, that's how I teach them the how to write for these tests that are coming up, the short answer and the long answer. So they're not, I'm not leaving them behind in that. And what they're doing, those their practice is over the outsiders. Because this year, the standards uh, are not the standards, but the test they're going to have to, from my understanding, is they're going to be writing about, a, they're going to be writing about the article. That's where their writing is going mm-hmm. to come from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm using the outsiders to be that that text that they're writing from all the time. And this, the outsiders is when I'm teaching them how to write about text, how to write about a character, how to write about what did the author do, like in chapter five with um, the... Um, the poem, Nothing Go Can Stay, for example. My question to them that they had to answer was, well, how did the author, how did the author uh, develop the theme in chapter five? So we taught about the poem, we taught about those things, and then I modeled how to write, like they wrote their own. And then I wrote in front of them how to do one. And then what they had to turn into me for their assignment was what was mine versus theirs. I had to compare mine to theirs and what they need to do different on theirs uh, to get the type of paragraph we need or whatever it was. So I'm doing a lot of stuff when you start thinking about it. Always. So, yeah. So it's, So the thing is, is... I, I don't know for sure. The jury's still out whether it's better than last year. Last year was probably more fluid because we just I went with our partner and I just did what she did and we really focused on the outsiders. But this one I'm focusing on all of our curriculum and trying to tie it back into this novel and using the novel as my vehicle, if you will, to get into theme, character development, and to do something for a long period of time and also build that persistence. 
you know, because the students, when they first got here, they were like, what? Read for 10 minutes? You know, read for 20. They weren't the readers that my kids were last year, which is where I'm going. It's not where we start. It's where we end up. And I'm hoping that this book will turn a lot of them into reading. So, Yeah. It's so fascinating. I'd be willing. I would love to bring this up again, you know, when you're maybe maybe by Christmas you'll be done with the outsiders. Maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep, that was funny to me. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know it because it's really not that long of a book. No. I have stretched it out. And you know I'd be dying if we were working together on this. I'd be like, oh, I just... I know it. I'm not a I'm not a in for the long haul type person. You know, I'm, this is totally not on subject, but as an AP, that is one of the benefits of this job is I don't stick with anything very long because it's like I got to go fast. It's like I yeah. can't I can't take my secretary all the time goes chest day and you're going too long if I like for my meetings and stuff and I'm like I'm sorry, uh-huh. but so yeah, no. in that aspect it does help. Yeah, no, you would you would be like dying on the vine with this this and I think that's, that's what's so happening funny. to my other partners. They're like, uh, we're done with the outsiders. Well, I'm not. I'm not because I'm tying it to all these all these different things. To be clear, just to because be clear. I'd be dying doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. I just have a low tolerance for things <laughs> that go long. No, I wasn't meaning that you. So I swear yeah. for the audience, I know you understand me, Ocho. You yeah. of all teachers probably understand me the best. But uh, I just wanted to be no. just have clarity there for you know. Sometimes we we get new people all the time. Just wanted to make sure. Well, you know, you're okay. You know your uh, poem, your slam poem that you shared at the beginning of the year when we did our, and we need to do another one when we did our. Um, Zoom call for yeah. for PD mm-hmm. and um, I, all of a sudden I can't remember the name of that poem. The it's yours with the guy talk uh, talking about love or not love, but his parents. Oh, it's uh, I lost the name. Of I it. always I always forget the name of it, but it's oh my god! You're welcome. It's uh, uh what's it called? It's not repetition. It's it is that, but it's not. Yeah. So anyway, Slim. yeah, you'll find that, but I'm going to go ahead and and, yep, and yep. share what I'm thinking. But see, I could tie that particular... Oh, it is. It's called Repetition. It's Phil K. Repetition is the name. I was right. I just couldn't... I, I doubted myself. Because he stutters, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so... And he doesn't feel like his parents are fighting all the time. Well, guess what I could tie that to? Johnny... Johnny's parents are fighting all the time. Yeah. He is Johnny because, you know, what is love, you know, that kind of thing. So I could take that thing, that that particular piece, and I would do a compared passage with with Johnny. And I would do it when we get to that particular part where Johnny's parents are fighting and they don't. Because right now he's in, you know, he's in the hospital. And he's asking, have my parents, did my parents, have they, have they asked about me or right there? I mean, he's already finished, but he's now in the hospital. But the thing is, is, is right before then, before the fire, he's going, but did my parents, have they asked about me? Have, have my parents asked about me? And it kind of reminds me of your, your thing. So I look for something like that. And then now I can do the curriculum and still get to do what I want. See? Well, and, and that I mean, here's the thing too, and this will probably be a nice little mm-hmm. bow tie on this is, you know, Kelly Gallagher, uh, you know, his book Read Aside, he he talks about oh. having that was one of the books that changed my life. I've, I'm sure I've mentioned it a bunch of times, but if people ever read it, go buy it. It's it's a it's essential reading in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I should probably reread it. I haven't read it in a long time, uh, but. Uh, he, he, in that he talks about, there's value in having, you know, some of these core books, right? One of the ones he talks about, like for his seniors was 1984. And as far as I'm concerned, 1984 is one of those great books that is, is so applicable to the world we live in today for a variety of reasons. And, um, I, I think it's incredibly valuable and, uh, there's there's a lot of those though. Like just because I care about 1984, and I think a lot of people should. A lot of people care about other things, right? 
To Kill a Mockingbird is definitely one of them. Great Gatsby is one of them. Um, Antigone is one of them, which, by the way, we don't have time, but I just watched it. an amazing Antigone lesson from one of my teachers, and I love Antigone. It's my favorite of those plays. Um, it just has so many amazing lines, right? I mean, it has the whole kill the messenger stuff going on. It has the divinity versus government and humanity arguments going on. It's, oh, it's so good. I was, I was so infatuated with the lesson. Anyway, that's the, ooh, you remind me to talk about that next week. I would absolutely love to, but, um, what was I talking about? <laughs> Just, I got so distracted by, oh, the, the core books, right? So bringing in those core texts to a classroom that, is is authentic right that's that's honoring choice and honoring all of these things and that's what you're doing right outsiders is definitely a core middle school text along with mm-hmm. the giver and and a, a handful of other ones and so i think there's i think that is a great solution to still getting students to engage with some of the core stuff while not only doing that, right? The, mm-hmm. the, you know, Kelly Gallagher, I think the last time he talked to me on Teach Me Teacher, he talks about, you know, the, you know, he's always kind of railed against the four by four classroom, right? Four essays, four novels, you know, and just kind of going right. through that. And I think this, you know, there's, there's a million different ways to make your workshop work. And if having these core texts is essential to you, to your curriculum, to your district, to your school, whatever, I think it, it's such a great idea to to bring those in. And sometimes you can go faster, like you did a little bit last year. Sometimes, you know, making it stretch out and really pulling in all of these connections. You know, a, a person I'm talking to um, coming up on Teach Me Teacher, he really advocates for uh, – some of the stuff that's been pushed aside in education, which might be a great conversation for me and you someday, is mm-hmm. he he's going to bring up the you know he's a, he's a big advocate for like you know memorization still like having kids memorize a poem for instance and recite it and and knowledge and being able to and he he actually set up a really great argument which I think is interesting I can't wait to kind of pick his brain about it but. You know, we, especially in workshop, we have these ideas of, you know, let kids discover um, the interesting points of certain things. And his argument was, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with telling a kid what a book is arguing. And that way they have that knowledge so they can engage with the book that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, I was like, you know, I, I was like, I don't disagree with that. But yet, if you ask me without hearing that, I would say, well, of course, let's let kids, you know, engage. And I, there's still, I still think there's value in letting kids engage and kind of develop their own stuff. But there, I think there's also value in saying, hey, this book is arguing this. Let's read it and see what we think. Like, that is... That's such an interesting take, but that can all fit within an authentic workshop where you're not controlling everything kids are thinking or taking away from something. I think, I think, I think sometimes we, uh, I think we push either way, uh, either side can go too far, right? The, the extreme, like, oh, kids need to do it this way can go too far. And also the, well, let's let everyone kind of decide where they want to go can also go too far. I think these sides should always mutually speak to each other. And it's up to the expert in the classroom, the teacher to go, this is where we need to go because of this reason. And based on this data, never, well, I feel this way. That's what we should do. Mm Mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean, I I agree with that, and I do like uh, Kelly Gallagher's Read a Side Book. I really do. It's a good one. Well, but there's another book I for don't... y'all to go buy. Yeah, if you anytime. haven't already. <laughs> well, some people would disagree, probably, with the way I'm doing the outside because we're we're into we don't need to read novels okay. anymore, and I'm like, no. I can't. I can't completely put one down. And what's going to happen is we are going to read another novel, but this next one will be a lot faster because they've, we've already worked through one. So, but they're reading and they're doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm not, we're getting a lot of books read. This one's just slow. You know, if you're down for it, I know we keep talking about bringing on some guests. I have a guy who was 
on my he was on Teach Me Teacher, but he really he teaches at a Catholic school, but he really loves the novel approach and some of the more traditional stuff. I would love to bring him on just to kind of talk about the value of literature and whatnot. I bet he would come on. And, and yeah, come. I bet he. We should we should bring some of these people on that okay. I would love to talk to again because I just did like another one I just talked to the uh, a person of the NWEA. Um, they were it's a three part episode because we talked for an hour and a half on Teach Me Teacher. Um, but I asked her I was like, hey, would you ever be interested in coming and talking about writing on you know Craft and Draft? And she's she's down to do a lot of stuff. So I think I think we should you know not not all the time obviously, but you know every once in a while maybe like once a month or maybe for some bonus episodes for our wonderful Patreon supporters. But anyway, now we're talking shop and it's about an hour. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Crafted Draft. That's Ben Chubb, Jacob Chesney. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I feel like we stretched. The conversation to all kinds of corners like we always do. If you enjoy conversations like this, subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. You drop them every other Friday, except for sometimes if we have technical difficulties. <laughs> Join us on Patreon if you want even more. We drop a bonus episode every single month. Bonus, all kinds of things. Go join us over there, just like our Patreon supporters have. Leave a review if you don't want to do either of that. Those reviews really do help. And come back next week for a wonderful conversation. And until then, know that we are here for you.